Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Fake Nerds Watch for Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2. I am Brandon C. McClure. With me tonight is Ryan Eliopoulos. Uh, what's up, y'all? Uh, <laughs> y'all heard of the Spocker. Get ready for the Spocker. <laughs> All right. And uh, Sparks Witty. I don't I don't even I don't even know how to follow that. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. Um, <laughs> we are here to talk about how are you guys? A good good uh, good I'm fine. I'm sleepy. I'm happy to talk about Star Trek. <laughs> uh yeah, we're here to talk about Star Trek Strange New World season two, episode two Ad Astra per Aspera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. which is directed by Valerie Weiss, written by Dana Hargan. Uh, so let's get right into it. This is a pretty meaty episode. So let's do it. What do you guys think of this one? I think it's a pretty damn good Star Trek episode, if you ask me. Hmm? Yeah. No, I know they made it like a long time ago, but it feels like they listened to us and <laughs> addressed everything we said last week <laughs> immediately. That is funny. I was watching this and I was like, oh, damn, Sparks nailed it. <laughs> yeah, pretty happy about that. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I really, I really like this episode. This is, um, you know, people have been saying it online. So I, I, I'll reiterate that Star Trek is no stranger to courtroom drama. Um, mm-hmm. There have been incredible courtroom episodes uh, throughout Star Trek's long history. Um, and to kind of revisit that genre with Strange New Worlds is really exciting. And I'm happy to say that I believe they nailed it. I think this is uh, one of the best episodes of the series so far, if not one of the best episodes of Star Trek altogether. It, it is a pretty good, it is a really, really excellent episode of Stranger World. I'll definitely say that part. I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not a Star Trek expert enough to say that at least. Yeah, I think this one is, um, look, I think the best, I think this is gonna go right over Sparks' head, probably not not Ryan's, but like I think the best courtroom episode of Star Trek is Measure of a Man, which is the episode where Picard has to defend data's um uh humanity for yeah, like yeah. and i think that's the the best uh courtroom and it would be difficult to surpass that but i think this is this is up there this is a really good episode this one really it really works because um it just it's well written it's well acted uh, uh for being a courtroom sh- uh, uh episode it's well shot um but like the wonderful thing about star trek and what star trek has been from the beginning it's about like combating bigotry and hatred and you know about you know one world and like it is really interesting and like it was in the back of my mind but i didn't really think too much of it and i'm and, like this episode like made such a grand thing of it of like why are they racist against the and the Illyrians? why why like that is stupid in a world where star trek is what it is that this happens but it's like well you know if we're we are you know combating a real world thing like there is still some you know f- prejudices from fear and war like you know it is an understandable thing but again like it is out of fear and under and, and the unknown more than like than an understanding of anything right and you bring up a very good point it's not that starfleet was intentionally targeting illyrians they were and like the nira says that right starfleet didn't mean to do this but they did because they have a long history with uh, with augmentation and Illyrians, uh, you know, th- it's part of their culture, as Sparks said last last week, very much like the Mandalorians. Like it's very it's very much part of their culture, and it's not. It, it, it was an unintentional 
they unintentionally created a law that gave people uh, the ability to be bigots towards augmented people. And that and April says that right. It's like that law is there to save lives. That law is targeting people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Starfleet is so so with the, the, a lot of modern Trek has been targeting Starfleet's um, inability to kind of look within itself. And like Starfleet has been um, blind to the fact that that that's what this law is doing to other people, not outside of Federation, not other people outside of Federation space, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are, uh, uh, sorry, real quick. There aren't, I don't think there are enough, uh, sorry, Illyrians? Illyrians. I keep saying, I'm sorry. I don't think there are enough Illyrians for it to be a bigger problem, which is in the case of a minority, this is something that happens. Like when there aren't enough of you, like you get overlooked and like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's like, it doesn't seem like a quote unquote, like a big deal, but you're still a person. You're still a people. You're just not as big as another, another group. Uh, Well, like there's a planet of them, but there's, there's a refusal to, uh, take them at the beginning so like not enough people are going into Starfleet so this isn't coming to directly to Starfleet's attention yeah yeah, yeah. Um, as much I did have kind of a question mm-hmm. because I don't know anything about Star Trek um, is is like Starfleet and the Federation as a whole they are the deciding governing body for everyone or so that's are these really laws cool. made outside of them so not not necessarily like sorry i just want to be specific not necessarily starfleet regulation laws but like space conventional law. space law or just like uh the, the the laws of how they monitor their societies those those fall under whatever starfleet decides well so think of the federation like the united states um uh-huh. think of every every planet and species within the federation as they are their own separate states and nations within this kind of conglomerate uh, space organization they set all the rules as far as starfleet is concerned this is something that's not clear within all of star trek starfleet is just earth's military force mm-hmm. it is not the military force of the it, it is the primary military force of of exploratory force i can't say military it's not technically a military um it is the depends prim- on what time period it is right the right it is the primary force of the federation but it, but vulcans and andorians still have their own space fleet for example um but the but starfleet is not a a governing body it is just a military technically so i guess i guess like hypothetically uh the the regulations obviously about an illyrian joining starfleet that's starfleet fleet law but the rule the laws against augmentation within the federation means that that's true on planet vulcan yes um all that kind of stuff Okay. Yes, that's I wanted clarification on that. That's why I've always been kind of baffled that that law still exists, because it's an Earth law that predates the Federation that was put into the Federation Charter uh, when it was created, when they all came together. This is just this like is laws why, that were made in the 1700s that shouldn't exist now. Well, this is why I brought it up is because it seems like so much of it at its core, at least as it's discussed in terms of this episode, is based around Earth's specific fear due to the eugenics war. And I'm I'm puzzled by oh, the say, wider yeah. Federation not being more open-minded I about it. And yes. only specifically like Earth seems to be the driven like factor yes. of deciding that law yeah. in a Federation way. The the Earth eugenics war basically put a cap for Alarians throughout the entire entire universe, for which happened just on Earth. And that is extremely messed up. <laughs> right. It, it is. And it's something that it's something that I'm glad that modern Trek, specifically Strange New Worlds, has been dealing with because that's not something 
the the problem with Star Trek, then then there are uh, there's a few kind of textual problems that Star Trek has had over the years because, but it's very centralized. It's very much like Earth is the Federation, but that's not that was never meant to be the case. It just kind of became the de facto case. Mm-hmm. So if it was like a rule on Earth, it would be a rule on the Federation. So what a lot of modern star shows are trying to do is really like expand the idea that. The Federation isn't Earth. It's space. There's all these sorts of cultures within space, which is why they talk a lot about in this episode that like, yeah, that's what. Yeah, it sucked. The eugenics wars sucked for Earth. And it and it really sucks that they have that traumatic scar on their planet. Uh, but it shouldn't it shouldn't be the dictating factor for the entire galaxy. Yeah. And that's that's kind of my. The episode did a great job. They did not need to tackle all what I'm bringing up in this episode. That's too much for a single episode to do. But it does make me like Federation law still being that way about augmentation is a little peculiar when like Starfleet makes sense because Starfleet's about Earth and like Earth's forces and their fears. Um, we got a Fed- Vulcan who's like who's persecuting this person. But the yeah. Federation as a whole, it's pretty much reaches a point where like once you approach the Illyrians as a planet, and are they are becoming part of the Federation, it feels like at that point, even logically, by Vulcans, you would be reassessing the law. Yeah, right. And that's, um, what, they, that's what they talk about when the planet specifically that uh, Una grew up on was admitted membership into the Federation. It was provisional membership on the basis that they stopped all augmentation which is kind of messed up because you're yeah. you're you're telling a species stop being who you are and we'll let you in. And it's and again, like it's not just for like, oh, we're doing it just to do it. It's like because they live in a harsh environment and like it's like again, like it is part of their culture and it's like it's what we do to survive. Like it's just it's part of who we are. Like yeah. so the other the other part about that, like this specifically tying into the episode is that it seems like maybe at least in a wider scale, Illyrians only recently became part of the Federation. In the in the like the lar- larger yeah. scheme of things, right? Because it would have been in Una's lifetime that this happened. So it's not it's not Illyrians, it's this planet. Okay. Um, the Illyrians as a species are kind of spread out all throughout the stars. I actually don't know where they're from. Uh, we've never seen their home world, but this is very. Cl- they ma- they mentioned in this episode this is an Illyrian colony that um, Una yeah. lived on, and so they were admitted membership. And you can, as a colony, you can ask for membership within the Federation. It grants you certain protections, uh-huh. um, and that's what that's what happened in Una's lifetime. That that that's what happened, right? Yeah, yeah. I just. It, I don't want to focus on this too much because it's not really about the episode, but like it's one of those things where. I hope at some point there is some um, something explored deeper about why would at a certain point you've got enough people who are Illyrians and you know, you know that this is part of them. Yeah. Why wouldn't um, I think of the Vulcans specifically? Why wouldn't the Vulcans specifically like be bringing to the table of the Federation that there needs to be an open discussion about the law in terms of augmentation? This is kind of where I... 
I'm really happy that the two of you are doing the show with me, but this is kind of where I'm, I'm I'm sad. I can't like riff on a fun little bit about how Vulcans came to Earth and was just like, oh, yeah, eugenics wars. That sounds like it sucked. Whatever. Yeah, yeah let's ban all, all of that shit because Vulcans were part of the founding members of the Federation. They made first contact with Earth. They were they they guided Earth into the into the 22nd century. And like just to think of it, it's just so funny that Vulcans were just like, oh, yeah, no, no. Yeah, we're with you guys. I think particularly the just the guy's just this guy's just an asshole. Oh, I wonder. Oh, go ahead, Sparks. If you have well, he's he's. Uh, I think he's a, a strong like, like your average Vulcan because we know Spock is not average yeah. Vulcan. Like he's a strong like your your prototypical average Vulcan. Like the the rules are the rules. The rules the like rule. like he, as much as it is nice to to hear an individual's personal story. Yeah, we are only here to follow the yeah. law. This isn't about emotion; it's about facts. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, that I think dude that was hold, that dude was still crafty though. Well, and I yeah, think that, right. but I think that even holds up to when she brings out the asylum stuff. That even he's like, that's the law. That's true. Like I don't, I don't. It doesn't even look like he's upset about it or anything, yeah. which would make sense. He's a Vulcan, but like it doesn't look like this. This bothers him at all he's like yes absolutely that is the law yeah um and, and that's he's a buy the books he, kind of guy right, and that's yeah. all he cares about but it just feels like when with as much as i'm aware of about like how vulcans have their customs and the, their ways of integrating into the larger part of being part of starfleet or being part of the federation and recognizing differences between them um it's jarring that there wouldn't be a grander discussion in terms of the Federation. And I'm sure that's part of the point, like part of the point of this episode and certainly part of the point of what Nero wants this to be is you now have Starfleet as an example. Yeah. There's a, a decorated uh, officer inside of and respected officer inside of Starfleet, who is a shining example that the laws about augmentation cannot be applied to all in a general sense. Yeah. So I want to spin something real quickly up just to kind of stay on the augment thing, because this is something I, I don't mean to stay too much on it. This is something that's always fascinated me with, within Star Trek. So it, this episode kind of like scratches an itch for me. Um, there's a three part episode uh, that in Star Trek Enterprise called um, Boundless. Um, I think it's the first episode, but it's um, it's this three part episode where it's revealed that Data's ancestor has actually created augmented humans and he's in prison for it. And so and these humans have escaped um, where they're being held and they go on a rampage throughout the galaxy, uh, throughout the quadrant. They steal a Klingon shuttle. They actually it's because of them. Klingons don't have bridges anymore. That's the whole thing. Um, and it's a whole like galactic almost disaster that happens and i wonder if the implication of having that three-part episode was star trek enterprise's desire to make the law make more sense within the context of a galactic scale rather than just a planetary one mm, perhaps but starfleet only thinks about the eugenics war <laughs> that's true starfleet really only as thinks a, about the eugenics war as an entity they are focused singularly on that point as an example now i really like the way that they handle like the people who are judging Luna here and everything. I think they do a good job of keeping them like emotional, but level where they're caring and empathetic, but they are also recognizing like why these laws exist and being attached to that history. I think April just got a little butthurt, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I think he perfectly did. Honest. yeah, he did. Um, yeah, I think so. He's just a little robo racist. He's just a little racist. Yeah, I was just uh, saying, sometimes you don't realize it until you're confronted by it, you know? 
I mean, it's, I, it's especially, I, I will admit, like, that was a scene I didn't like for April um, is when he goes to Pike and he's like, yeah, it's a damn shame they didn't hear any of those things. And I'm like, nobody stopped you from saying those things. Right. You stopped you from it, saying it, those I, things. Yeah, I was like, like, like you're putting that on Pike you're for being, getting this lawyer. And like, April, you're dramatic. And you're like, man, it's a shame that I couldn't have said those nice things about Una that also in the back of his mind knows wouldn't have changed the case. That's true. Yeah. And she knows that wouldn't have changed the case, which is why it wasn't the important thing to ask him about. He just wanted to, to, to be a little spitty. And like, even later, like she, she commends that like April is a captain who makes those judgmental decisions that are more about handling the situation in front of you. Not just what the book says, because the book is not. And I think this is where Star Trek, uh, strange new worlds is really cool is because what it's doing that I, I'm certain not all of Star Trek does, uh, is question the fact that like people get so comfortable in the idea that we are a utopia beyond what the past was. Earth was just, oh God. But look at what we've created. We are so much more refined. We, we explore mm -hmm. without pillaging. We are only militaristic when it's absolutely called for in war. We are not colonizers, we're adventurers. Um, without actually like taking the magnifying glass that and being like, yeah, but, 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 are you perfect? <laughs> Do you right. think you're perfect? So that's actually that's that's uh, something that I also love about Strange New Worlds because they've uh, they've adopted it from they've inherited it from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, Deep Space Nine couldn't really dive into a lot of those things. Most past Star Trek couldn't really like in a sort of in a kind of like meaningful way dive into them because of who was running Star Trek at the time, Brandon Braga. Um, he you could touch on it, but you couldn't really dive into it, and that's what I really like about Strange New Worlds and. Discovery also a little bit, but like we're really we're really like digging into it. Well, and I don't mean to put down like old Star Trek shows because part of the point of that uh, for like, let's say the entire run, you know, original up through Deep Space Nine and Voyager, that's all meant to paint a future that we'd all want. It's supposed to be progressive and an ideal to want and to strive for. So you want it to be this kind of like, yeah, we've kind of worked out a lot of our, our worst stuff. Mm -hmm. So we're pretty good about it these days. But now we're far enough along in Star Trek where um, engaging with it as a pop cultural text, we can also be like, yeah, you can be like a lot better and have solved a lot of the problems we're facing today. And you'll still have problems. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and it's, it's OK to acknowledge and try and work on them because like progress isn't something that you ever like get to the end of that's that's so beautifully put because that's what i've been so a lot of people talk about the fact that like when you're talking about star trek it's all about a hopeful optimistic future and i'm and i've always felt that i don't think that's the case i think star trek has always been about building a better future constantly striving to be better picard says in the first episode of next generations we're not perfect but we're getting there we're working on it we're constantly working on bettering ourselves and I, I, which is why I like all this new Star Trek shows probably more than some of the haters because like they're really like digging into what does that mean? What does it mean to constantly be? It means confronting our prejudices, confronting these things that we've been so comfortable with. It means working on it. It's 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 work to get better, and I like I I, I like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love a, a character I really like, Alan. Yes. You know, from you know, she's the descendant of Khan and stuff and stuff. How that ties into this episode of like you know. You're, like, you're descended from a superhuman man. Like, how do you think? Like, it's a, this is a similar situation, baby. I was I mean, surprised that um, they didn't ask her. If she was, I was too. on the stand. I, I was too. Yeah, me too. I was surprised about it, honestly, because I didn't really think about if she would be. I mean, the I mean, 
Katha Patel, to her credit, does not ask, hey, by the way, you're descended from the from the greatest mass murdering dictator of the 20th century. It does that affect you in any way. Um, also the sexiest. <laughs> also the sexiest. Um, and and I, I like her. I like that it's revealed in this episode in such a nice sort of way. Like, yeah, her augmentations, the augmentations that did that Khan were a part of are still in her bloodstream. They're not they're probably not as uh, dramatic as they were. 200 years ago but there are still there she is mm-hmm. somewhat augmented yeah which has to what she her name her name can you imagine no one changed her name in 200 years the noonian sing name it's like someone being named hitler yeah not that's changing like, it like i'm taking it back like maybe don't take that one back <laughs> yeah i mean it's wild that her and so her name is like is is like a calling card like oh this person and and like the the fact that she is in starfleet and nobody nobody holds her ancestor against her is really great because it proves that people don't look at you how your ancestors were and knows that you're a different person but also it should be a calling card that part of her might be augmented yeah and it's never really addressed and 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 i like that they do reveal that she is there might be a scene where like something gets gets like put onto somebody and she has to use that 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 strength and it's like oh look what i can do under 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 super stress I'm like, yeah. oh, look at you! Don't, don't get, don't, don't be bad. Don't I really bad. like La. I really like La on. I'm, I'm, I'm glad she's. I think this is a, a strong episode for everybody. Honestly, yeah, yeah, me too. I, I think, um, I think about what we talked about last week with um, Rebecca Romain, mm-hmm. and I think she's incredible in this episode. Yeah, she's really good. Yeah, she's really bringing it. Like I was specifically looking like. I want to see you emote, Rebecca. <laughs> Can yeah. you do it? And like she really was. Like she really did bring it. Like I gotta respect her. Like she didn't really. She, like. Like I, I'm gonna be honest. When I figured out the whole episode was gonna be around her, I got a little worried. But like at the second, I was like, "Oh no, she's got it. We're we got it. We're good." Yeah. Uh, like I think the end's great. Like uh, I think it's I think she's really good. This one. There's something so interestingly. Um, and there's something so interesting about her arc in this episode in that it <laughs> it's kind of um, a one to one of her arc as Mystique in X Men Two. Yeah. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't have to hide who I am. What I thought, yeah. what I thought, really what I thought is I'm like, oh, look at you, Rebecca May- Romaine. You finally got the Jennifer Lawrence story for yourself. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really, I, I found that funny. And she, they even bring it up in the Ready Room episode that that is about this episode. They talk about her car- her arc as Mystique being in X-Men 2 being that. And I was like, that's at least they know. Yeah. Which is like, that's there, but like they never explored that the way they did with like, jennifer lawrence's mystique right you know um so yeah i think it's really cool that that she got to have that i think it was very smart of the writers to have the lawyer be a personal friend with a history with her i think it made everything in the episode work better having her be illyrian um and what that meant uh and like being but being a different kind of illyrian Mm -hmm. um you know because nira doesn't have augments uh at least it seems that way at least none that none that we saw or i don't think yeah because she said she said she does say us some of us can't hide yeah um which is pretty pointed at 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 that to imply that she is augmented in some way i want but that but like she can right like there's nothing i i wonder if that's a royal us because she's you know defended clients who like she's taking on the plight of all the Illyrians who are suffering um, and sees her as abandoning, but I don't think she's in that category. She right. just believes in fighting for no, them. No, yeah, I think she can pass for it, but I think she, yeah, she is collectively speaking for because her, 
Because we know that her family went to the Illyrian city when when Una's family went to the non-Illyrian city. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and she can live on the planet, which should imply that there is there is some level of augmentation happening with her. I, I wondered if that was going to come up, like that part of it was about where Illyrians lived and that they had to be augmented to live where they live. Um, yeah. And if that would be part of like contesting this kind of stuff. But I guess not, no. which is fine. Seems to be a choice. Yeah, but I, you know, like I wonder where where does the line get? This is what they were saying, like even even in the text of the episode, like the, the lines have to be drawn in different places um, yeah. than where they are. Draw the line here, because he I said the same thing. They, <laughs> yeah, I know that quote. The, I've never seen that movie, but I know that quote. Because <laughs> even in the episode, like they said, lines have to be drawn in the sand, but sometimes they need to be erased and reevaluated. Right. Uh, I, I like that the crux of the episode is look we're not going to solve the augmentation problem today no but we can but we can focus on on this one case yeah like a, it's a step in the right direction i really like that and, and like when um nira i think her name is like the lawyer nira. nira when she's like starts to turn it for like kind of like all of Illy- like all of the illyrians instead of like just focusing on her she's like what are you doing i was like hey like this could be a win or a lose for you, but this can still be a shift in direction for like Illyrian freedom. Right. Like this can be a again, it's, it won't be the win, but it will be a step, and that is just as important as a win. Right. I because love- sorry, just real quick off that, like what what is so important and what I think gets Nira on board as with the idea initially, but what gets Una to want to fight for this is that um, it's not just like oh, you could you could leave Starfleet and not go to prison, you'd be fine. Yeah. They will make it so that an Illyrian being there never happened in the history records. Like, no one will ever acknowledge that an Illyrian climbed the ranks of Starfleet. And that's the, that's the thing that she's like, they can't, we can't let them wipe that away. This has to be a standing example of why this law is wrong. 100%. I really like uh, Nero's kind of arc in the beginning here because she, she takes this case knowing she's going to lose. She sees this as a soapbox case. Like, I can make this case. I can, I can reveal how Starfleet um how star how starfleet has flimsy as flimsy laws but as bark said it's that kind of turn that she has to be like oh no i can i'm n- not here for all of illyrians i'm here for una and that's what i need to focus on and by doing so i will help all of illyrians well and like i think what they do very smartly and like it did annoy me just a little bit at one point how much nero was on the like I don't really care about Una kind of thing just because like mm, she left me um, that that got like one scene too far for me mm-hmm. um, and then it hits the turn where when she's talking to La'an and she realizes well who turned her in Una turned her in um, and that changes her perspective of Una and it's like I wish it didn't take that for you to stop being such yeah, a brat yeah, about yeah. it but yeah. like that's fine because what she recognizes is that she came there thinking Una just selfishly wanted to not be removed from Starfleet Mm-hmm. But somebody had outed her. Mm-hmm. But when she realizes Una outed herself, that means Una wants to stand up for who she is mm-hmm. yeah. inside of Starfleet. And that's an entirely different conversation with Nira. And that inspires Nira in a different level. Yeah. Right. I really like the testimonials between Mbenga, uh, uh, La'an, and Spock. Very good. Um, I think they're incredibly cut together. They're they're so wonderful. Um, there's a There's a... Spock has the fake out moment of, oh, yeah, she was doing something. Yeah. And I love that because so 
that's a reference to Star Trek Short Trek's uh, first day, which is which is that episode where it, it's a really cute episode. It's like five minutes long. It's Spock and Una trapped in, in, in a in a turbo lift. And and um, they and Una sing they sing a Gilbert and Sullivan song uh, together. And that that's just a really cute kind of character building moment that if you have that, that, you know, again, one of those things like you don't need that moment to appreciate what happened in this episode, but it is, it does kind of heighten that, that sense of like, Oh yeah, that was a really sweet mo- moment of bonding between the two of them. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, I just want to mention it before it gets lost to me because there's a lot in this episode. Um, I really, really like the scene that um, spotlights Ohura saying no. Yeah. Like, no, I won't, I won't let you do this to you because you're my friend. And this is like breaking real real hardcore no no starfleet laws so i'm not gonna do this for you um and that felt very like um uh really wanting to retain to my knowledge who uhura you know grows to be on on star trek and like wanting to set the foundation of like this is not that's not something she'd do yeah no like where she draws her lines this is not something she'd do yeah, I mean, it's a little hypocritical the week after she stole the Enterprise, but it's still... Um, well, but she, she, she just was complicit. <laughs> she just looked away. She just looked the other way. Yeah. Um, but it's still a good character moment because uh, uh, La'an is, like, taking it personal, right? Like, she's, right, she's yeah. like... I, we're friends. Was, she's like, yeah, we're friends. That's why I'm saying no. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, you're not going to... We're, we're not doing this because this is going to be bad for you. She's not protecting... I really like that moment because it's... Uh, Uhura's not protecting herself. She's protecting La'an. Yes. And that's a, that's a, that's a good character moment for her. Yeah. Um, the, the, so the Vulcan that we talked a little bit about in the beginning is Pasalk. Um, yes. Uh, he is uh, such a, I love his smirk. He's so evil. Um, he's played so, so, so villainously. I love it. The, the conversation that he's having with Spock yes. in the mess hall I and, apologize uh, that you had to see that body language. Outburst. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, that's such a great gag. Um, when um, Mbanga is just like, "Wait, don't you see that they hate each other?" Yeah, <laughs> and and um, uh, uh, Ortegas is like, "Wait, are you messing with me right now?" Because like, what are we doing? <laughs> I um, wonder. I wonder if anything, because you brought it up last week, like talking about any involvement of Spock's father. I feel like anything even tangentially related to Spock's dad that we are going to get now is kind of going to come for, via Pasalk. I so think I, that's one of the reasons that they probably have him now. I really hope so. So because it's so um, Patel, 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 is Patel, it B? Patel, Patel. Um, she says that now my boss is looking into this and I don't know why, uh, because he wasn't supposed to be part of this case. And then he was uh, when she when she uh, declined the plea deal. I think Basalk has it in for Pike. Sure. And that's why he took an interest in this case, because he wanted to go after Pike. Yeah, because that's that's his whole directive at the end. Like, yeah, like this is right. all the captain's fault. It was his, it was right. his charge. So he tries so to I, turn it into conspiracy. So I wonder if it's going to come back around and we're going to see him play a more antagonistic. There's a trope in, in Star Trek called the Badmiral, uh, which is an admiral that's mostly evil. Um uh-huh. I wonder if we're going to see this character come back around and be this kind of badmiral character for Captain Pike. Wouldn't shock me at all. Neither would I. Wouldn't spock me at all. Um, since you brought up Battelle, I need to shout out uh, Melanie Scrafano, um, one of my big TV crushes. Uh, I'm so glad she got more to do in this episode. 
um, Winona Earp herself. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Love her. Yeah. She's great. Love her. She's great in this episode. I really liked her conversation with Pike. And I really like how much she hopes that Una gets off. Yeah, she's just again like she's she's a great person. She's just like she's so into Starfleet. She's like rules though. Yeah, yeah. But rules. I love you, but rules. I mean, it's kind of the thing where like it's really nice to have a captain and the captain have this conversation because they're both on the equal footing. And Pike can just be like, look, you know, what if the rule is wrong? It's like I am a lawyer. I have to follow the letter of the law. This is something that I have to do. Right. Why don't you understand this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I really like her scene with Pike. Uh, in the mess hall mm -hmm. yeah. where um, where she gives the example of like you are on the stand under oath uh, and makes it clear like, you know, not only would Pike be putting himself in danger, he could put the whole ship in danger. The whole yeah. crew would be run down for uh, being part of this. Yeah. And that really hurts Pike because Pike is like he gets it. But like. We you remember when it's first outed that uh, Una is Illyrian and 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 he says, I, yeah, I welcome the fight because he has nothing to lose. Right. Uh, he knows what's going to happen to him. So he loves like, speeches. He always wins with speeches. Right. He loves speeches. He knows exactly when he's going to die. So like he doesn't care. Um, sure. So he so he's kind of sitting there like, yeah, yeah. So what? If they come for you, they'll come for me and they can't do anything to me. And then but Patel is like, it's not you cannot win this. You have to take a backseat to this one. I'm because, doing you a favor. Right, right. And I think so importantly because Pike will just lay himself down on the line yeah. for any of his crew. That's fine. But she gets him to recognize you will be laying down the entire crew on the line for Una yeah. in your name. Yeah. Which is not the same thing and not what Pike wants to do. Is there a little yeah. bit of a... Between them, a little bit of... We saw them have sex in the first episode. Yeah, the first episode, they're, she's the one in his home. Oh, that's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the no, very first okay, episode when sure. he's on Earth, uh, they're got together. It. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. They're very, man, they're very professional. Yes. <laughs> that's very... That I forgot that they even actually boned her. Like, that's very professional. Like, I don't like, think... I don't think they're actually a couple. I think they're just booty calls. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, I, uh, think they're, yeah. I think they're very good friends who have slept together. Friends with benefits, uh, captains with benefits. Yeah, I don't think they're locked into a relationship, but I think I think they could be. They're, if they want. They're to married be. to their jobs, but they're banging each other. Yes, because the the last because she's also in the last episode of season one of Quality of Mercy. Uh, yeah. In the beginning, when he's making he's making pasta for her. Yeah. And oh, really I sweet. forgot. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, for some yeah, reason yeah. I thought she just like came over, but like no, that makes much more sense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, yeah, I I I really. Uh, I really like her and I'm glad that she's getting more to do in this episode uh, in the season. specifically, I think I think she's in the next one. No, she's not. I'd, judging by the trailers and where we're going in the next one, I, I, I might be supplanting two different episodes together. Sure. But, I'm sure um, we see her again, though. And she's just I love her. She's, really she's good. so good. Yeah, she's I'm a good all, energy. I'm really happy for her that she's playing a captain. But I'm also sad because I'm like, you can't be part of the ship. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. can't be a regular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she she'd be pretty she'd be pretty good as a regular. I don't actually think she has a ship though, um, so she could just hop on. That's true. That's true because they they've only called her captain, but we haven't heard of her taking her ship out. Yeah, she might just be a she might just not have a ship. Um, She's that, a happens, captain. that happens a lot for um in Starfleet. There are captains who just don't have ships. Sure, there's chilling chill captain. Um, I I think uh, we talked about uh, April's um. April's testimony. I think Nira is absolutely correct in what she was trying to do. And I'm glad that it's kind of vindicated at the end of the episode yeah. um, where she's talking about how, you know, the prime directive at this point called general order one 
is um, so sacred. And yet so many captains across the history of Star Trek have just disobeyed it uh, because it, it would be better for the people if they didn't. And so if that's flimsy, then why is this so flimsy? And I really I think that I think Nira made a good call there, honestly. No, I think they do a really good job. The writers do a very good job of writing Nira to be this character who interrogates Starfleet at its most fundamental core of saying, like, your laws are not perfect. She has, um, and if she we has can acknowledge receipts. and if we can acknowledge that the prime directive should can be up to a captain's discretion of yeah. maybe not in this scenario, how come this can't be? And I think that's a really good point. And I really do like that she brings it back around on April, who again, like nobody stopped you, sir. Um, <laughs> but when she brings it back around again at the very end and she references back to April's interactions in those cases and says, like, she makes it clear her point was not to slander April, but to hold him up as an example of a captain doing a good job, doing what, in spite of the law. What needs to be done. Exactly. Yeah. Despite right. of the law. Yeah. Um, and I just love that. Like she was like, yo, you did this thing on this planet, this thing on this planet, this thing on this planet. I'm like, damn, he sounds pretty cool, actually. April's a cool captain. I'm really actually yeah. I'm actually really glad we, we get more of him because he was introduced in the animated series um, as a white guy, unfortunately. Um, well, <laughs> He's awesome here. Yeah, I really like this character, and he is. And now they've they've they have canonically cement, cemented it. He was the first captain of the Enterprise from twenty two forty five to twenty two fifty, and he um, and so Patel, Una, and Pike all served under him. We find out in this episode. Um, so I would really love to see a flashback episode with them on the bridge with <laughs> Captain Robert April. I think that'd be oh, really cool. That's that's sure gotta happen one day. For sure. That sounds like that sounds awesome. I mean, I, I know that Pike is gray, but you know what? Make it work. They got, they got black. He could dye his hair. Yeah, just dye his hair for a day. Yeah. His hair wasn't, you know, his hair looked great in. Uh, oh, no, we didn't see it, did we? Never mind. I was going to say in, in Multiverse of Madness. Oh, no. Yeah. And I was like, no, he has the cowl on the whole time. Yeah, he's wearing that plastic. Uh, he had he had a dark hair uh, in uh, Discovery. So he went gray between Discovery and season one of Strange New World. Oh, oh wow. He went real gray. Space will do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think he was dyeing his hair, honestly. Yeah, sure. sure. It's like it's like that's that like six months between um, when Jackass, the last Jackass movie, uh, took a break because of COVID, and Johnny Knoxville had black hair, and then COVID <laughs> happened, and then he had white hair like midway to the movie. I'm yeah. like, what happened, Johnny? <laughs> like, you yeah. know what it is? You know what it is? Pike saw how he was gonna die, and it turned him gray. Yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shocked him white. Sure, yeah, I'll believe that's it. what happened. Um, I so I so Una's whole testimony in the episode. It pretty much takes over the the back half of the whole court case. Um, I think is a really good character building moment for her, and probably something that she needed this whole time. Yeah. Um, this is it's. We learn a lot about who she is, about her upbringing, about it's. It is certainly an exposition dump of character, but I think it's effective because it is a testimony. You're allowed to do something like that. You you are allowed to do kind of these storytelling ideas, and we. And I think it's effectively done to kind of give us a better clue into who her character is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think she's really good in this episode, and I do agree. I wish we didn't have to wait until the second season to get like a dedicated episode to really dive into her. Not that the other, you know, not that the the other episodes, like the other characters, get full episodes or anything like that. But like, she was the one character for me that I needed more of. Um, so like, I'm glad it's here because I think it's really good. Um, I hope this. I hope this isn't a situation where like this episode is a really heavy one 
and then we're just gonna wipe it all away and then the next episode we're just back to regular star trek and that's fine if it is but like if there's like no ramifications for any of this in the future at all i'm gonna be kind of bummed because like this felt kind of like a serious thing not just for like an episode but for like the universe of star trek dealing with like racism and stuff you know so like i hope there's something with her character and her being involved in this that doesn't just go away you know what I mean? just augmentation in general yeah even yeah, if yeah. it's as long as the conversation is you know taking the next chapter yeah. step from this just one. just something i don't want this like to be like oh we're talking about a real heavy subject and like like something important and then just back to normal star trek forever you know the the augmentation thing is is really tough because of it of this show's position as a prequel um because it has so much in front of it it can't really do much more with augmentation than what they did here but as far as una's character goes what i really like about strange new worlds that it that it that we saw in the first season is that yes it is back to episodic star trek and episodic star trek means that you know we we put the toys we put all the toys back in the box at the big at the end of the at the end of the episode and take them out in the first episode and they're all and it's and it's like the last episode never happened what i really like about strange new world season one is that well yes that is kind of the feeling there are character arcs that keep kind of going in the background it is episodic but it has serialized elements and moments and character arcs and so i i feel pretty confident that this isn't going to be the last time we see anything with una anything with this and una kind of play a part mm-hmm. yeah i hope so because i think yeah. i think it's i think it's important for the character and you know i don't want it to just be all right she had her episode back to having three lines an episode like i don't want that you know kind of thing Sure. Yeah. I mean, but there are other characters who need episodes it's true, um, no, it's not, true. Not, not every episode but no. like yeah you know, like if the next episode is not Una heavy, like we didn't we didn't see no, yeah. much of Chapel in this episode. Absolutely. That's fine. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, it can circulate around. I don't Just, want this to be. The I, I know what That's your point. What I know what your point is. Yeah. 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 Uh, speaking of Chapel, uh, there's while they're talking about how augmentation is is against is playing God and against all these things. Chapel and Mbenga give themselves a look and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we know. Right. Which is. Yeah. So I don't think we're done talking about augmentation right now. <laughs> Because oh yeah, you're um, right. Because we can we can because Chapel and Mbenga, this this kind of this conjecture is a type of augmentation that's got to come up again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, there's you know we started the first episode was them doing that. The next episode is this conversation around augmentation. I don't think this is and you have Laon on the ship. Fiends. I don't think that Ooh. the idea of continuing to talk about augmentation and it's different like pros cons and how it fits into the the galaxy and the timeline of Star Trek is over. Um, yeah, because there's too too much on the table. Yeah, um, it's <laughs> you guys won't get this reference, but in the original series, it's very funny that um, they don't that Spock and Uhura don't immediately recognize Khan's name because they served with his ancestor <laughs> just five years prior. That is. That's just one of those things where you're like, oh, well, oopsies. Yeah. I mean, it's a prequel. It's a prequel that came out decades later. Like, there's yeah. no way that they that they can make something like that happen. But yeah. it's, it's yeah. The the amount I am lovingly utterly confused. <laughs> Very good. Because everybody is saying she's a descendant of Khan Nunyan Singh. Yeah. And then there's a Khan later who's different. Okay, so okay, you've heard of the movie The Wrath of Khan? Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Right. So Khan Khan's not dead. He and his people were shot off into space 
and 200 years after that that happened so he he got shot off in the space in the 90s 96 to be special okay ends up in the future okay i got confused because brandon said that spock and uhura served with his ancestor and i'm like she's his descendant right descendant i said ancestor you're right okay you threw me because i I I don't know what's happening i just knew what you were talking about so i just put the right word in my brain so like we're all we're all together now my my slim amount of understanding suddenly went scribble 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 i was like we just oh, heard this I'm lost in the furious <laughs> yes i'm sorry i meant to say descendants not okay that, not got it person. yes cool that is fun Con- man con con's great star trek in the dark so that's what's going on here what are we doing no here? but the star trek 2 the wrath of con is an incredible movie love it good one good stuff i believe we reviewed uh, it like seven years ago we did uh the dress uniforms in this episode are delicious i love them so much Always. oh yeah they're really good yep 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 uh, they're a great uh, upgrade from what they are in the original series. They look pretty much exactly the same, except the instead of it's patches. The the like the diamond shaped format is a patch in the original series, mm-hmm. but in here it's a badge. I like it. Um, I really like the I really like the design. They recreate the chair with the with the stupid little light that I think glows red when you lie. Is that what was? Is that I, what, I wondered if that's like because it, it never it, happened. Is it like a quick lie detector? It's just that good. <laughs> I think it is. I think it's. Some, I don't remember the episode. I think it first shows up in the episode the court martial. Um, but it, but I don't. But I don't remember exactly if we learn what it does. But Salk has this moment where he's like, "I will remind you, you're under oath, and you don't want to perjure yourself." And it's like it like cuts to that. I'm like, "Is it going to kill her?" Yeah, right. It, it's it's only weird because like in the context of just this episode, you never see it change. That's the thing. So like, but yeah. like it, nobody lied, and so like that's not a bad thing. It, it wouldn't have made <laughs> sense for anyone in the context of the show to have lied, unless you just had like someone at the start who's like, "This is usually what has to happen with like this is what you happens know, when you like lie. someone has to someone has to test it, yeah. make sure it's working right. Like they have to tell an obvious lie. It's like that's what it looks like when it lies. But yeah. like. There could have been a funny joke. The there, there could have been a funny joke with like Spock or something. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh yeah, they could have done like I a pretty girl. Like <laughs> yeah. red. Yeah. You're right. They could have done a they, they could have done a test. Yeah, I don't remember exactly how it's used, but uh I do remember I do remember it specifically. I hope it just yells lies. <laughs> lies. There's a lot of really cool upgrades, updates of technology from the 60s that I really like in this show, just in general. And one of the things that we see in this season, specifically this episode, is the stupid little yellow data disc um, that was just a piece of plastic that they cut into a square. And now it has all this sort of bunches like data on. And I love that. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, I want to shout out the girl who plays the receptionist in era. When Pike is sitting there, like I can wait, and and he waits until his oxygen is screaming, and oh, then she's yeah. like, "Oh my god, fine, fine, fine." He is so stubborn. <laughs> I will die for an interview. I don't care because because he looks at it, it, starts beeping, and he's just like, "It's like, are you sure?" He's like, "Yep." I'm good. One percent? <laughs> Not at zero percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, and she's just like high healing up the steps, like, "Okay, okay." <laughs> I really like her. Um, I want to say that this is a big season so far for reusing of discovery sets. Um, The the courtroom is the USS Federation in Star Trek. Discovery is the... It has actually been used in every season of the USS Discovery. Twice as the same thing. Twice as different things. Um, in, in the, in the 32nd century, it is Federation HQ. And, uh, so I think that's, I just think that's really funny that we've now done a second episode in a row that has reused the set from discovery. Hey man, these shows, 
they can look so expensive because we keep using the same sets. That's why. Man, that's fine. <laughs> hey, man, you got to use it. That show's canceled. They're not using it anymore. Doesn't Dang bother it. me. Yep. Might as well. Uh, it's been. It's really. It's really. And it, it, it apparently has been distracting to some people online. It's not to me. I think it's. I always like. Um, I, I find reused sets really fun, um, mm-hmm. and uh, something like this. But it's just isn't really just, funny. Isn't that just arguably tradition on Star Trek? It is. It is yeah. just tradition on Star Trek. And one of the things, but I think it's really funny that like, it's, it's so specifically that set, and they like put like the wood paneling on it, but like they don't fill in the giant circle in the middle to, yeah. <laughs> to disguise it a bit. I just think it's fun. It is sure. an interesting. It is like. When you tell me that, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I, I get it now. I see it. Yeah. It's, in it's, season it's, it in season four, in season four, just imagine a big holographic map of the Earth in the middle there, and that's that's a that's discovery. I'm seeing it in my mind's eye right now. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I I am I'm, I'm really I think that because Star Trek has built so many sets for these live action shows, you should definitely reuse them. Yeah. Yeah, man, this shows like hell it looks good. Like the CGI is good. Like there's a lot of like big sets. So like, yeah, if you gotta reuse it, like I'm you know, I don't think they're where the average person's gonna notice. No, especially no, like uh recognizing that more people are watching Strange New Worlds than Discovery. They just are. Yeah. Like like more people have been drawn in by the show. They might go to Discovery at some point, but like for now, who cares? Just go. Yeah, the Strange New Worlds doesn't have I think it's I don't necessarily think it's the it's more. I think it's different. I just think that there's the, the I don't think it's a I don't think the Venn diagram of people who watch Strange New Worlds and Discovery is is um is as, as comprehensive as people might think. Strange New Worlds does take take in a lot of viewers and it is a more accessible Star Trek show, obviously, because Sparks is watching it and he is really enjoying it and he's able to follow the series just fine. Um he's proof positive that this show can appeal to really anybody, even if even if you've never seen Star Trek before. True. Um and but I I, I don't but I know that Discovery is really popular, um, or at least it was. Um, I don't know what the numbers currently are. Obviously, it got canceled, so maybe it's not that good. Sure. Um, but I, I do think does, it's interesting. Does, question, does it still have a season to come out, or is it just like done now? It does have a season to come out, season five. Gotcha, okay. Uh, and they're currently, I think they were currently doing reshoots to finish it, and they might be done by now. But yeah, next year. Good to know. We're losing three Star Trek shows. <laughs> Yeah, we just lost Picard, Prodigy, now Discovery. Man, it's it's rough out there, guys. Yeah, I mean, you had like what at at one point there five on at once. That's true. Bring it back. That's a little insane. <laughs> I'm <true>. selfish. <laughs> I mean, like good good for them, um, yeah. and I'm glad that most of it has been quality, most of it. Um, but like, I think I I think the the more impressive thing is that like one star trek show didn't come out on paramount plus and then the end and it got canceled yeah like mm -hmm. like they really they found their niche and i think they'll be able to ride star trek to some extent for a while yeah they really they put their their, like their faith into it and their money behind it so like it paid off i'm trying to look through my notes now oh when um when una comes back on the bridge not the bridge the transporter room it's very sweet very very lovely. Everyone's clapping, and we we all have her. Um, congratulations! Congratulations! Um, I really like that Pike, kind of a loss for words of what to say, is just kind of like, just goes in for a hug, and then just like, like smacks her arm. Like, it's good to have right. you back. Show me back, number one. Yeah, yeah. I really like that moment. Yeah, it's good to have. It's nice to have her have her back. Uh, this is a really good show. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy to be watching it. 
Mm, going back to the Battelle, <clears throat> excuse me, and Pike conversation, I thought they, uh, one of my favorite moments was her asking him, like, do you remember the first time you met Una? And it was in the Academy and she corrected him. Mm. And he says, like, uh, whoever their person was said that we always need, was it April? April. April. Yeah. Uh, April said that you always need a number one who's going to tell you when you're wrong. And Battelle's like, yeah, I remember that. And like, that that's part of their history. I thought that was cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, really? How do you guys feel about that cold open? Oh, it's weird. Remind me again. It's her when she's a kid with the leg. <sighs> like, I genuinely wonder if it should have only been when she's telling the story because it's yeah. so much later in the episode. It is, yeah. That genuinely, like, so much had happened. I went, oh, yeah, the episode started that way. I assumed it was Una when it starts, but I, like, mm -hmm. I didn't know what was happening. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's part of my problem. No, I was just, yes. <clears throat> is that, like, I think it'd be fine if it was there, but I'd like to know the context because they're not really explaining the situation they leave that for her to do later in the episode and i think that's maybe just a little bit of a mistake for that scene to be that early yeah i think i, I think it might be just the, the execution of the scene um but i don't but i don't i don't even know if i necessarily really needed it at the beginning because i think her telling the story and then maybe just getting a flashback of it just to see how like traumatizing it was for her might have been enough I, I i don't know i just think it was also just like shot kind of like kind of weird if you're gonna do the scene and I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with doing the scene. I think it's I think structurally it's it's in a weird place as the cold open. Um, if it's if you're going to do a flashback in the cold open, you kind of I, I feel this is just a me thing. I feel you have to have flashbacks interspersed throughout this throughout the season, throughout the episode. And I didn't necessarily need that. So I kind of feel like if you did that as the cold open, uh, I, so I kind of feel like removing that from the cold open and putting it into the speech so like when she's talking about having her bro having broken her leg then it, it fade it, then we see it as she's with her voice over over it i think that would have been really effective and probably the place it needed to be i think i think just yeah. because it's it's you know a, so unfamiliar they just need to honestly spell it out in yeah. that scene if it was going to be the opening i don't think that's a problem to have it there um, I think you could have then left it there and let her just tell the story later and you wouldn't have even had to flash back to it if we understood the full context of what was happening yeah. in the moment. Because like I hear them saying like we can't go to a doctor and that kind of thing. But I'm like, I, to me, the when I was first watching it, I was like, is this how she got her augments? Like I didn't I didn't understand yeah. mm -hmm. what was happening um because it wasn't clear if they'd said like she broke her leg and we can't take her to a doctor because of her augments i'd be like cool cool got it it could have even that's been rough like, yeah it could have even been like in the moment it happens like like explosion una, 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 we gotta go to the hospital we can't you know we can't because of the augments blah, blah, or something just like to give us a little more context quickly and rapidly instead of like kind of laying out a scene for a couple of minutes and just like trying to pick up on context that i don't think is really there yeah mm -hmm. yeah I, th I think it's just in a weird place um, there's just something about the scene specifically that doesn't quite work. Um, yeah. and that, and that, and that's truthfully the worst thing I could say about this, about this whole no, episode. No, absolutely. Like, uh, it, it's minor. It's barely, it's not in the episode a lot. And there's a lot, like literally everything else in the episode. I forgot about it. Very good. Um, but I do remember when I, when it, the episode first started, once we got into like the scene after that, I'm like, I don't know what that was. And then I remember when we got to her story later, uh, and it cuts back, I'm like, Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that happened. And I, and like, I just don't think that they landed that in well, which is a rare miss for them. But like that cold open didn't work for me. I agree. Yeah. Um, I really like how this episode tackles. This is kind of the last thing I want to say. Uh, I really like how this episode tackles bigotry. I think it does it with a really blunt 
hand, and I think it's necessary, uh, necessarily so. Um, I love all the one-to-one conversations of, you know, when she's talking to La'an, it's like, there's nothing wrong with you. That's how they want you to feel. They want you to feel right. like there is something wrong with you. There's not. They want us to, f- they want us to feel like monsters. Um, you know, coming out on Pride Month, there's obviously the, the Una, um, you know, ha- wanting to hide who she really, not, not wanting to hide who she really is. Um, talking about how people uh, were, would, would uh, start fights in the streets. There's a fight in the schoolyard for just, for someone thinking, for someone thinking that they were in a lyric, not even knowing, a rumor. Yeah. No, I think, uh, just to your point, I think Nera does a really good job of, of laying out the, like, you know, um, at one point or another in history, there have been laws against people for race, for who they loved, uh, what their skin, you know, like what their what uh, like. gender was, yeah. you know, all these kinds of things. And um, again, like it's a really good direct uh, translation of tackling the text for we we think of ourselves as like an evolved past that society but how can you not see that in this moment you are on the same wrong side of history as they were back then yeah um i really you know there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of places that this allegory can fit in today's society Mm -hmm. uh in our society of the past in today's society and while that is depressing that it can fit in so many different places it is really nice that this episode tackles what is just the concept of prejudice in a really specific and a really uh well done way so that so many people can see themselves in this episode yeah uh uh, like you said you said it brand like it's blunt like it is like star trek is not subtle and that's not a bad thing like this is a show that had like yeah. To, like like people's with faces that are black and white and then the other people's faces are white and black and they had problems with that. it's just like like they're they're very clearly trying to do things like without subtlety to like make a point in the show like hey guys look how ridiculous this is this is stupid the things that have, why racism is real right so like the fact that like yes 50 six however old star trek is six years later we're still dealing with racism in the exact same way and like we can still have star trek being hey still stupid why are we all together? This right. is ridiculous. Like, it's really nice. And it's not, you're not trying to be subtle about it. It's like, no, you know, remember in the past when all this shit was like, it was like legal. Isn't that crazy? And we're all like going, yeah, it's, yeah, it is stupid. It's right. awful. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek's great. You bring up a really great point, actually, that I didn't think about, uh, which is that Star Trek, Star Trek allegory used to be supplanted onto alien species. Oh, look mm-hmm. at the, how that alien species is acting towards another alien species. That's like how uh, whites act towards black people, right? Yeah. But this is the f- this is really important, actually, because this is Starfleet. This is dealing with the heroes' bigotry. This yep. is what you know. The undiscovered country. Uh, Ryan, uh, when we when we reviewed seven years ago, which I've never forgotten, is they were always talking about how this movie deals with racism. Yeah, Kirk is a huge racist towards Klingons, yeah. and that oh, was yeah. really important. That Kirk had to really like come to terms with the fact that he is bigoted towards Klingons, very much in the same way. Like here, like yeah it's very difficult to put an allegorical nature to Starfleet because it is a utopia, as Bark said in the beginning here, but that's not towards augments. And so you can use augments and you can, to, to bring the, to bring light to the fact that Starfleet is still bigoted to something, which allows the, which allows the, 
um, the allegory to hit a lot closer to home. Right. Yeah. Because it's not dealing with like, you know, lizard people. It's dealing with real people. And this is and this is where I think like, you know, there's a divide between, again, like where the Deep Space Nine Voyager, whichever one of those came last, because I don't know. Um, Thank you. Voyager, where Voyager leaves off in that era of Star Trek. Right. Like there's everything that came before that and everything before that is of this perspective where they are painting the picture of like the future you want to strive towards, which means all the hero characters are representing that future you want to strive towards, even though there will be like moments where they can confront their own inner things. It's not confronting the institution. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, because it's saying like this is the future you want to desire. But in doing so. This is where, like, the problems with New Trek, as it is, like, right now, all of these things that are happening on Paramount Plus comes in where you have people who are, like, getting mad at it because they're claiming it's woke and all that kind of stuff is because it is being so direct. It is holding up the mirror at Starfleet, thus holding up the mirror at the 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 real audience and the real culture and the real fans and saying, like, no, no, this thing exists in, in life. This is not outside and external this is internal and you have to face it and like now starfleet has to face it and the heroes have to face it and that's a very modern sense of progressivism and chasing that and that's where a lot of people i think rub up against and say well star trek wasn't like this and i'm like well technically you're kind of right star trek was doing progressivism in a way where it was saying very rosily like we've kind of gotten there and there are problems outside of the institution but now we're able to admit no the problems are inside you're absolutely right, because the way they're able to do the allegorical nature of modern Trek, the way they have decided to do it, is they are, because holding up a mirror to Starfleet, is holding up a mirror to the audience that's watching it. And whereas that was always the intention for Gene Roddenberry to hold up a mirror to society, it was, nev- it was never, it, people who like Star, the conservatives who like Star Trek at the time, thought, oh, we were, it's not American society. American society is Starfleet, is the Federation, we're perfect, we're utopia. Correct. But yep. having having current Star Trek point a mirror at Starfleet is pointing it at, as as far as they see, is pointing it as at America. Right. And yeah, you're absolutely correct with that. Yeah. Uh, and it's just really funny. It's cool. Like, I'm not, you know, I don't definitely don't see like the same Star Trek circles like on Twitter and stuff. But every once in a while, it'll pop up where somebody's like retweeting how stupid someone is about Star Trek. And it's like, somebody's like, wow, this Star Trek is so woke. And I'm like, You're, you guys are talking about Star Trek, right? <laughs> We're talking about the same thing, right? And it's just always funny when people are like, you know, you can misconstrue, you know, a movie or some like song, but like, Star Trek has been what it's been since its inception. And if you don't get that, then you're just, you're a silly person. You're silly. Right. This episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds and Strange New Worlds in general, honestly, in many ways, is a personification of a speech that Captain Sisko gives uh, on Deep Space Nine, where he's where he had gone to Earth to Starfleet for help uh, in fighting the Cardassians and the Dominion and helping Bajor and all things that Sparks doesn't understand. Um, I was so close to saying, what was Kim doing? (laughs) He wasn't involved this one. And he comes back with nothing. Starfleet said, no, we're not going to help you. And Cisco has this rant, this long rant. And I was baffled by it at the time uh, watching it because I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize it was this clear. And uh, where he talks about, he's talking to Major Kara and he says to her, and he says to her like, they don't know. They don't understand. How could they? They live in a utopia. They look outside their window and it's perfect. How could they know what's going on here? What's going on out? What's, what's going on in space? What's going on on this planet? They don't care because they're millions of light years away. Why should they? Yeah. 
And that's an, a beautiful speech. And and what and I, I butchered it to be perfectly honest. But no, like, but I, it's, I I feel you. I highly recommend people looking up at least the episode. But like, it's really it's really cool to see that kind of speech come come into practice in modern Star Trek, especially, right. and I think especially in Strange New Worlds. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, on a last note on the episode, all that's why Strange New Worlds is so good. Um, uh, the bit where Nira is able to grant La'an the relief that she was not the person was a really good moment too. For oh, yes. specifically, where where she's like the amount of time it would take to Sabina a personal report would be so long. There's no way yeah. you are the person. The reason that she got turned in, um, and the relief that washes over you La'an. are not the conspirator. That was really great. Yeah. yeah. Why do I feel like I just got hit by a shuttle? Yeah. <laughs> Very good moment. Uh, it's a lot on episode next week. Or yeah. Love it. I want to be noon singing about it all week, baby. <laughs> I wonder if we're going to talk about the Gorn. Um, they're building up to it for sure. I don't. Uh, I saw the clip. I saw a clip for this week's episode. It looks so good. I'm so excited. Great. Um, and Love I will watch it. it. I will watch it in 55 minutes. <laughs> Going and out. Oh shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. Well, that's all I got. What about you guys? No, I a uh, great, like great courtroom episode. You know, really, really like you said, it was meaty. Uh, uh, great performances. Good job, Rebecca Roman. Loved you in this one. Yeah. Good stuff. Can't wait. I'm, I'm, again, I'm really, really happy to be start talking about a Star Trek show. So good. Yeah. It's really, it's this is a really top tier show. Yeah. Like, um, this was a very, very good episode. Like, just it really is. Um, and especially for being one as I don't remember all the season one episodes as well as you probably would because you so recently watched them all. But like this one being so rooted in a singular around a singular location. Yeah, no, like definitely. not doing an exploration in this one. Yeah. Know, I think they did a great job. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really happy with the season so far. Um, really like this episode. Like really like this episode. It's really good. Um, can't wait for the rest of the season. All eight episodes left. It's always too short. I feel you. Hey, for this quality, I'll take it. That's fair. Um, okay, so we get out of here then? Yeah, sounds good. All right, guys. Well, this is Fake Nerds Watch, so check out, of course, other Fake Nerds Watch shows. If you like this video and subscribe to this channel, if you like us, uh, there's plenty more of us on this channel, such as our other Fake Nerds Watch series on Secret Invasion. We have talked about the first episode of Secret Invasion. Will we talk about the second one? Stay tuned. Will we? <laughs> I haven't watched it. Uh, uh, I haven't watched it yet. It sounds like no, though. We're probably waiting. <laughs> All right, we're That's probably. I'm just, I'm just being silly. Um, well, so stay tuned for more of, of that whenever that shows up on your feed. But we will continue with Strange New Worlds um, as often as we can. Um, and of course, you can check out other shows on this channel, such as Basement Arcade, uh, new episode of Basement Arcade, guys, um, where you guys talked about where you guys talked about some video game um, demos. Yeah, we talked through some of the Stream Next Fest demos. Steam Next Fest. Steam, thank you. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. misspoke. No, it's okay. And uh, we'll have a part two out when this goes up the next day. So tomorrow Ooh. from when you're watching us. Ooh, la, la. There's, of course, plenty of Basement Arcade Pause Mini, which is a video game Let's Play series. I don't think a new episode went out this week, but there are plenty of new episodes. That's correct. Um, uh, and you can also check out Fake Nerd Book Club, which uh, Star Trek Fake Nerd Book Club is up right now, where I talked to Travis Alexander from Kaiju Ramen, where we talked about the kind of proto Star Trek Strange New World, Star Trek Discovery Aftermath, which is a comic book uh, that's a comic book discussion show. 
So you can check that out, of course, as well as Real Score and Animation Station. Um, all shows you can find on this network and on this channel. While you're bringing that up, you you know Travis can join us on Strange New Worlds when he wants to, right? Yeah, I know. Okay, because he reacted to that like he couldn't felt like he couldn't. Well, it's it's two. He's two hours ahead, so it's you know we got to do it it's a little hard, earlier. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we if we could do it a little earlier, yes, he's well, of course he's welcome. It's, you know, maybe at least bare minimum we can try and get him for the finale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be fun. Uh, Travis is a really cool guy. I like talking to him a lot. Um, uh, yeah. Of course, you can check out our Tee Public and our Patreon if you'd like to support us financially, or you can find us all, all those links and everything. Oh, shoot. Mythalaneous. Mythalaneous is our uh is our mythology based podcast it is up now new episodes are coming out um i the first episode where i talked about the ark of the covenant see we're going through the indiana jones uh mcguffins if you're interested in indiana jones you want to hear more about that check that out that's a lot of fun a new episode of the sankara stones coming soon i gotta send you the description i'm sorry it's out right now it's out right now apparently um and uh yeah okay website check out our website everything's on our website fakenerpodcast.com uh fakener podcast and all the socials i'm at bt mcclure on instagram and twitter you can also find me writing for cbr.com atomicgeekdom.com and kaijaramamedia.com where i'm also the editor sparks where can people find you uh you can find me um desperately seeking asylum at sparks witty on instagram and twitter s-p-a-r-k-z witty and ryan you can find me, Con Noon, singing in the rain at DJ Tony Snark 616. All right, guys, like this video, subscribe to this channel. Until next time you see us, guys, live long and prosper.